0: Mark chapter number 14, verse number 3. It says, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was the waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence, and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with ye always. And whensoever ye will ye may do good, or do them good. But me ye have not always. And Jesus said these words, She hath done what she could, she had come aforehand, and anointed my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever the gospel shall be preached throughout the world, throughout the whole world, excuse me, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Let's pray. Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you for what we've already heard this morning. God, thank you for those congregational songs that we heard. God, the choir, God, the special singing this morning. And Lord, I'm thankful, God, that one more time we can open up your word. And God, words that you set yourself, God, to man and man wrote down. And Lord, I'm thankful this morning, God, that we can one more time, and God, hold your precious words in our hands. God, that this morning one more time, God, we can preach, Lord, your precious word. Lord, I thank you for this church. God, thank you for this opportunity. God, thank you for all that you've done already. And then Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. We ask you to bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to take my text this morning out of verse number 8, where Jesus is speaking and he said, She hath done what she could. Uh, But before we jump into the message, I want to bring you up to where we're at. Jesus says, uh, on His way, several days away from being crucified on the cross. And uh, we know that uh, He comes to uh, Bethany, not far from uh, Galgotha, not from far where He's going to be crucified. And Jesus comes to this place knowing that death is right around the corner. And Jesus walks into this house and He sees them sitting down and He sees several people there that He's met along the way. And I don't know about you, but we find here this man of Simon the leper. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I've never been around somebody with leprosy. I've heard of it. Uh, we read about it in the Bible. That is not somebody that you want to be around. And uh, here's Simon the leper sitting there at the table. Uh, we can go to John chapter number 12, I believe it is. and. No, we can find that there's a man by the name of Lazarus who was before dead and uh, now he is living, he is sitting at the table, uh, we find that Martha's there, the disciples were there uh, even Judas, the man that we talk about here in this story, uh, go to chapter 12, it tells us that it is uh, uh, Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed Jesus, they're all here uh, at the supper, yet Jesus still manifests his presence uh, uh, in the middle of those that were diseased at one time, uh, in the middle of those that had problems at one time, right in the middle of those that he knows going to forsake him Jesus still sits down with them I don't know about you but if it was, if it was coming time for supper and I was going to sit down with people that didn't thank me uh, sit down with people that, uh, that I've helped and they weren't appreciative of it I don't know that I'd want to sit at the table with them that often and say if I knew somebody was about to betray me I don't know that I'd want to sit down and have supper with them but can I say this morning that I am not God. And that we serve such a good God that He can forgive. Uh, not only does He forgive, but He forgets those things that we've done wrong. And there's so many out there today, they, uh, they want to preach the Bible, and they want to preach Jesus forgives, but the brethren don't know how to forgive. Man, what a problem we face in today's time. But we find this woman here, this woman by the name of Mary. And Mary has this box, and she brings it. Now, uh, we'll look, in the, uh, I want to give a few things as an introduction, then I'll give you three points, uh, and then we'll be dismissed, or I'll turn it back over to the preacher. Uh, but we find here this morning that it says that there came a woman. Number one, we find that this woman was available. Uh, She came and she had this box of ointment that was uh, precious. It was a costly uh, ointment that was in this box. It was a... it was something that had a fragrance that would smell. I don't know how long it took her to get this ornament. I I can imagine if it was a three if it was worth more than three hundred pence worth. Uh, it was probably several in today's time, several hundred or maybe even thousands of dollars for this ornament. And this woman had worked and she had saved. And Mary said, "You know what? Uh, even though uh, even though I've done this, even though I have even though I have got this ornament and I have got this box and it is so precious to me, Jesus." Uh, uh, Jesus is worth much more than what I could ever do. Can I say it ought to be the same way in our life. We all want to save. I recommend saving. I recommend having a savings account. There's no telling what's going to happen down the road. Uh, there's no telling what vehicle you're gonna need fixed. There's no telling what's gonna go on in your life, and you'll need something put back and saved. But can I say when, uh, when you find out that Jesus is worth more than everything that you could ever, hey, I, I believe it'd be worth giving it up for Him. Uh, I-, I believe it's worth giving up your life for Him. Uh, just make yourself available. There, they're all sitting down at the table. Jesus is sitting down, and there came a woman. Everybody else is sitting down. Mar- uh, Martha, we know was probably up serving. That's what she did. She served. She always cleaned. Martha was always too busy to sit down. Uh, But here's this woman named Mary. She says, Jesus is in the house. And Jesus is worth more to me than everything I've got. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to break my box for Him because He's worthy. And I say this morning that no matter what you're holding on to, Jesus should be much more precious. The Bible tells us that this was a precious ointment. She found something in Jesus. Y'all, y'all go back to John chapter 11. And there's Mary and Martha, and their brother had died. Oh, Lazarus was dead. Jesus gets there, and she says, "Well, Lord, now we sent for you several days ago. Now you decide to show up." Mary and Martha's looking. They said, "Hey, he's already four days. Uh, uh, he stinks by now. There ain't no point in you being here." And Jesus did something for them, and I don't know if Martha had forgotten by the next chapter of what she had, what Jesus had just done for her brother. Uh, but can I tell you this? Sometimes we forget. Uh, sometimes we forget all the good things that God's done for us. Uh, we're flesh. We want more. We always want more. We always think that we need more. But we ought to be like Mary and not forget what Jesus has already done for us. Uh, and we ought to be able to say, God, whatever it is that you want out of my life, uh, God, I want to be a available. God, oh, I want to serve you. Mary said, uh, Mary said that this was a precious ointment. The Bible tells us it's a precious ointment. It worked years, I would imagine. And we can, to, we can go to the parable that Jesus speaks of and they, they worked for a penny a day. And if this is worth more than 300 pence, I can imagine it took her a while to save up to get this ointment. You got to think she's got to have food. She's got to have bread. She's got to have... Uh, different things to live on so she couldn't spend that penny every day that was earned I, I'm I'm just paraphrasing here I don't know that it really happened this way I'm just I, I like to think that that's how things uh, uh, if Jesus spoke about the penny a day that's how I think maybe it was back even when Mary was there uh, and she's working she's working hard but but when she finds Jesus when she knows what's fixing to happen when Jesus says uh, hey I'm about to go and be crucified for every sin uh, of this world uh, uh, there's something that's got to be done I've got to go die for them and Mary says hey I will want to worship you one more time before you go. Can I say this morning that He is worth worshiping. He's worth your time. In my life, I've wasted some of my years. and I've wasted some of my time living for this world. Uh, There was times in my life that I was a fool for this world. I'd do everything that my friends would do. I, I, I probably shouldn't have. I was I was uh, ignorant back then when I was a teenage boy. uh, But I lived for this world for about two, two and a half years. And when Jesus got a hold of my heart, and when Jesus showed me who he really was, and when he showed me what I really was, I had to give my life. And This is what I said. Lord, I'm available. Make me what you want me. I I can't say that if I'd have looked at myself back at a teenage boy, I'd be where I am today. I can't say that back when I was a teenage boy, I'd have, and I said, "Lord, I'm available. God, use me how you want." I I couldn't have imagined I'd have spent six years in Albania. I couldn't imagine I'd have spent eight years, nine years leading the choir and the and the song leading our church I, I didn't see any of that stuff coming, but I made myself available, and you can do the same thing. Hey, don't be don't be afraid of what God wants you to do. Hey, just jump right in. Say, God, I'm here. God, I want to worship you. God, I want to be available for you. Too many times we find ourselves thinking we don't have time. Can I say we, we make ourselves busy. Uh, through days, through months, and through hours, we've all, we've all got a schedule. Some of, us, some of us get up early in the morning, go to work, work all day, work through the evening. Some of us go to work at night. And I understand all that. I, I worked a job. I did that. What I'm trying to say is you got to make, you've got to say, all right, this is my life. Jesus, you're above it. This is this is everything that I've got in my schedule. This is everything that I need to do. Uh, this is everything that I need to get done. But God, more than that, I want to be available for what you want me to do. I remember when God first called us to the mission field, when God first called us to Albania, I was working a full-time job and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how any of this type of stuff worked. I, I've always worked a job and just served in our church as a, as a member there and I didn't know what you're supposed to do. And I was starting to travel a little bit on the weekends, and we were traveling from Lake City, Florida, up to North Carolina and Tennessee, and I'm talking six, seven, eight-hour drives, and we'd have to do them on a Sunday night to get home to go to work on Monday. And I went to my boss, and I said, all right, here's what I need. I need Mondays off. I work Tuesday through Friday, 10 hours a day to get my 40 hours. My boss said, absolutely not. We're not doing that. He said, you work five-eighths. I went home, and I said, what in the world am I going to do? we'd are driving. We, we drive six, seven, eight hours at night on a Sunday night to try to get home, get up at five in the morning to go to work, barely making it, not enough sleep. Finally, God said, all right, it's time to quit. And here's what I said, Lord, I ain't never went without a paycheck. I said, I've got a wife, I've got children, what in the world am I going to do? And it was as if the Lord sat down said everything's going to be all right and what i'd done i'd made myself available and even though i was worried how things were going to happen god was never worried you're sitting here this morning you're saying i want to do something uh there's they, something that needs to be done god i want to make myself available not only to you but I, even to my church God, I, I, I want to make my, if there's something that needs to be done at the church, God, I want to I be available, I want to sign up for it. But you're looking around saying, how am I going to fit everything else in in my schedule and still do what God wants me to do? And I say that God has a way of doing things that we don't understand. I still can't tell you to this day how we pay our bills except God's goodness and God's people. God has spoke to people. God has touched people. They've given us the support that we need to make it financially. And God can do the same thing for you. I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying go out and quit your job and just say, all right, God, provide. That's not what I'm saying. If y'all go out and quit your job, and don't blame it on me. That's not what I'm saying this morning. What I'm saying is, Brother John Dorsey said the other night, there's some folks in the church that still got to work a job so that way the preacher can be full-time and do what he's got to do. The church. There's some folk in the church that's got to work a full-time job to help support a missionary get over the seas, or to help the evangelists get down the road. God's giving everybody something to do, but what are you doing with what He's giving you? Here's this woman that says, "Lord, I'm coming. I'm available." Look at verse number five. It says here, "Fort might have been sold." This is old uh, Judas Iscariot. He's mad. He's ticked off, and he says, "Fort might have been sold for more than three hundred pence." And have been given to the poor. We can go to John chapter 12 and Judas did not care about the poor. He really wanted the money for himself. The Bible called him a thief. He was, he's, he was what I think in my mind what he would have done is said hey uh, uh, Mary how about, instead of, uh, how about instead of wasting that you give it to me and I'll go make sure it's in the right hands. He was going to pocket every dime of it. We, we have those type of people in our life. They say they want to help us but really they're out to hurt us. We call it the wolves among the sheaves of the sheep. So be careful there. Here's what what the Bible said. And they murmured against her. We see that she was available, but we see that there were accusations made against her. What is this this accusation? It's a a charge, it's a claim uh, that someone has done something illegal or something wrong. Now, I don't know who all was there. I've read you some names that were there in uh, this chapter and in John chapter 12. There's several people that's there. Uh, But it says that they, it wasn't just Judas, it was they. uh, They was somebody that believed what Judas had said. uh, And they started murmuring. They started making accusations. They started saying, uh, Mary, you have done wrong. And I say that when you start serving God, there's going to be some people that don't like it. I remember when I got called to preach, I may have told this here, I can't remember. I got called to preach, I was 17 years old, giving my life to God. Lord, use me how you see fit. 17 years old, just got, out of, just got out of a Bible camp. My wife and I were just dating at the time, and I said, go with me. I want to tell my mom that God just called me to preach. And as a teenage boy, my mom and I had everything planned out. We knew where I was going to go to college. We knew where I was, what I was going to be. We knew how much money I was going to make a year. I mean, we had everything planned out. My, my whole life had been planned out by my mother. And God said, I've got different plans for you. I went and sat down in my living room in front of my mother, and I said, Mom, God's called me to preach. She looked me in my eyes, and she said, put that Bible down. She said, you'll never make any money doing that. You'll never go anywhere doing that. She said, put it down. Here's what I'm trying to say is when you, when you say, God... I want to serve you. God, I want to live for you. God, I want to do my best for you. There's going to be some people that just don't like it. There's going to be some people that say, why do you go to church every single Sunday? It seems like you could take one Sunday off. Uh, uh, Why do you go on Sunday nights? Why do you go on why?" world Uh, do you sing in the choir why in the world Uh, uh, do you play the instruments why hey uh, hey, there's going to be some that don't like it Uh, hey but stick in there with God Uh, stay with God Uh, even though they're complaining uh, it's worth serving God I can't think of one time in my life when I could say Lord I regret serving you I can't think of one time in my life when I can say God you've let me down there's times when I've let myself down. There's times I've let my wife down. There's times i left. I let my children down. But there's not one time that God has let me down. There's not one time that God's forsaken me. I've seen God time and time and time again do exactly what He said He would do. And there's going to be some people, look here, I don't care, maybe a mama, maybe your daddy, maybe your grandparents, it, it may even be some of your children. They don't understand why you're serving God. They don't know why you give your life to God. They don't know why you've got to be faithful to church. Can I say just keep going? We know that Lazarus never got right. We know that Lazarus, or excuse, not Lazarus, uh, Judas, we know that he had all those problems. We know that he's fixing, for sake, he's fixing to sell Jesus for a little bit of money. Can I say it's not worth selling out to get rid of God? I don't care what this world does. I don't care what type of churches are in this world. If you've got you a good old-fashioned church with good old-fashioned singing and a good old-fashioned, it's not worth giving up to go out there and do something else. I'd say stay with the church, stay with the man of God, stay with the people of God, and you'll see what God, they may not like it. They may not understand, but just stay where God's put you and you'll see what God will do in your life and you'll be amazed one day. God will put you in a place one day and you'll look around. You'll say, Lord, how in the world did I get here God, how in the world, I, I did not see myself here. God, I did not see myself doing this. Uh, I didn't see myself being faithful to church. I didn't see myself playing an instrument. I didn't see myself singing in the choir. But even though they don't understand, just continue with God. See what it does in your life. i told this before in other churches. My pastor's told me all the time. He tells people this all the time. He says, you're wondering what God can do for you. He'll say, give God one year. Give Him 365 days. Go to church every single service. If there's a meeting that's local, go to it. He said, "If if there's something you can do in the church, do it. Serve God for one year. And he said, if God ain't done nothing for you, then I can see you walking away. He said, but I can just about guarantee that if you give God those 365 days, every single day, get up and read your Bible. Every single day, pray and ask God what, what it is that you need for that day and that He'd give it to you. He said, I guarantee in one year, your life will be a lot better than what it is right now. I challenge each and every one of you. You may be sitting here doubting. You may be sitting here saying, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if uh, I don't know if being faithful is really worth it. I, I, I go home and everybody complains. Uh, uh, there's a lady in our church. Lady in our home church for 25 years, has prayed for her husband. He's never come in our church doors. She's faithful every single service. And every single service, she prays for her husband. Every single, she hasn't given up on him yet, still doesn't come. He's got all type of health issues now. As He's going downhill and he still won't come. And his wife still prays for him. After 25 years, it seems like, God, I give up. God, I'm done praying this prayer. Can I say, don't give up? He sits at the house. She goes home. I don't, I don't know what's said. But She'll come back that next service. She'll say, Lord, I'm just trying to do what you told me to do. I'm trying to be faithful. Lord, it's hard to go home and see him the way that he is. She'll say, Lord, I need your help. She'll come, and this is what she'll say. She'll say, I don't know. I don't know when my husband's going to get saved. She said, but i got enough faith to know that one day he'll trust. I don't know what goes on in your home. I don't know what goes on around you. I don't know everything that is said about you. But can I say no matter what they say, just stay faithful to the church. We also find here uh, verse number 6. It says, and Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. We find that she made herself available. There were accusations made against her, but she made herself accountable. She was liable to be called to account. It said right there in verse number six she had wrought a good work on me. Now, here's Mary, Martha, Simon. Judas, the other disciples, there may have been even others there that day, and out of all of them that had seen Jesus do miracles out of all of them that had walked with Jesus, out of all of them uh, that had seen Jesus do one thing uh, after another, it was only Mary that made herself uh, uh, get down and break her box for Him. Uh, can I say, no matter what it is that you're holding on to uh, this morning, uh, He's worth breaking it for uh, because He's worth worshiping this morning. Uh, hey, I don't know what it is that's holding you back, uh, Hey, but I'd worship Him. He deserves the glory she made herself accountable Jesus said I didn't say this the preacher didn't say this the choir didn't say this Jesus said this with his own words she has wrought a good work on me I don't know I wasn't there that morning that evening I wasn't there it was supper time by the way we say supper in the south there's some folk that say dinner we say supper I'm just, I'm giving you Bible words. Just Bible words. Bible says it, not me. Jesus said she had wrought a work on me. Can you imagine? Out of everything that God has done for you. Everything God's blessed you with. Now here's, here's, I want to say this. Some of you may be saying this morning. I work for what I have. understand that. I've, I've, I've. I've sweated. My brow has sweated. I get up in the mornings. I go to work. I've worked for what I have. Let me ask you this Who's allowing your legs to work to get up every morning to go to work? Who is still putting breath in your lungs for you to breathe and get the rest that you need at night to get up the next morning on those legs to go to work? Who's allowing your eyes to still still see so you can get in a car and drive where you need to go to get to work? Uh, everything's going to refer back to Jesus. Everything's going to refer back to God. We, we might as well go ahead and admit uh, John chapter five, uh, John 15:5 said that we can do nothing without Him. We might as well go ahead and admit that God, I cannot do anything. Uh, God, there's nothing in this world I can do. Uh, God, I need you. I cannot do it on my own. But I believe in this story that Mary is remembering what Jesus done for her brother, done for old Lazarus when he got him up out of that grave. It looked like he was, there's a lot of, guys, listen here. There's a lot of times it looked like, and it looks like Jesus is late. Can I say this? Jesus ain't never late. These things that we ask for that we don't get, that don't mean he's late. But he knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly when we need it. He knows exactly how we need it. But this woman right here, she made herself accountable. She said, I don't know. I don't know what Jesus has done for everybody else. She said, but I know what he's done for me. And I say this morning, it's the same for you and I. I don't know everything that Jesus has done for you. I don't know everything that Jesus has, has done in your life. I don't know the way that He's guided you. I don't know the way that He's directed you. But I know what Jesus has done. And my, I know where I was I know what I used to be. Uh, Hey, I, I know places that I was going. I know things that I was doing. And to be standing here today, I'm trying to tell you, I am going to thank Him. I'm going to worship Him one more time just because I'm not where I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. Hey, but God's been good in my life. She made herself available. She made herself, or there was accusations made against her. She made herself accountable. Look at this right here, verse number 8. It says she had done what she could. She hath come beforehand. That simply means to do it before anybody else could. She said, all right, I, I, don't, I don't know where everybody was at that morning or that evening. I keep saying morning because it's Sunday morning here, but in the Bible, it was evening. I don't know where everybody come from in that scripture. I don't know if they had traveled. I don't know if they was already all there. And then Jesus comes in. And Jesus sits down. Jesus knows what's fixing to happen in his life. Knows, knows what he's fixing to do. And old Mary, I can just imagine. I can just I can just think in my mind. Old Mary goes, Oh, Jesus is here. I got something for him. I've seen what he's done in my life. Now I got something for Jesus. I imagine old Mary goes to her room and she takes this box and she says, Oh, oh, how precious this is. I've worked my whole life for this. Oh, this, this ointment is so precious. They, they, uh, I worked all those hours. I swept all those floors. I cleaned all those dishes. I worked my whole entire life just to get this. And Jesus is sitting down. And old Mary comes up and she breaks that box. And what's the Bible tell us that she does? We know the story. She breaks it. She pours that ointment on his head. It runs down his body. What happens? Mary takes her hair. She goes down. She begins to wash the feet of Jesus. I don't know very many people today that would give up all their possessions just to wash somebody's feet. But I'll tell you this. When Mary got done, she may not have had that precious ointment anymore. She may not have had her box anymore. But by the way, the box probably costed just as much as the ointment. That basket box was not something easy to come by. And it may, I'm talking about something that was so precious, something so expensive. She breaks that box, pours it on his head, runs down, and she washes his feet with her hair. And she did not have her box anymore. She did not have her uh, ointment anymore. But what she had was a memory I've given everything that I've ever worked for to Jesus. Everything that I've ever done, everything that I could think of, hey, I'm giving it to Jesus. And she gets down and she begins to wash his feet with her hair. I don't know for how many days, or how many months, maybe even years, after Jesus went to the cross, she may have, she may have been able to Wipe down her hair. Maybe she could still feel some of that oil off that ointment. Maybe she could reach over and grab her hair and just smell it. Say, oh, I remember that day. I remember that day when I gave Jesus my everything. I remember that day when I gave Jesus all that I had. Hey, I was tired of living for myself. I'm just going to give Jesus everything. Maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, I don't even know what I can give him. I don't have much to give him. There was a woman in the Bible that had two minds. She gave it all. You may sit here this morning and say, I don't know what I can give Jesus. I don't know what I can give the church. I don't know what I can do. Hey, uh, uh, there's always something to be done. Uh, uh, there's always something that Jesus has for you to do. Uh, hey, if Jesus has you cleaning the church, uh, be the best vacuum cleaner guy. You can be or woman. Uh, hey, come down these pews and do the very best that you can to clean them. Uh, hey, go to the bathrooms. Uh, scrub the toilets for Jesus. Uh, just give Him your all. Amen. You'll be able to look back one day and say, I remember I gave my life to Jesus. You'll go back and you'll say, I remember that day at that altar when I gave my life to Him. I remember that day when God done something in my life. I remember that day when God called me to preach. I remember that day when God called me to do something in the ministry. You'll be able to look back and say, I remember when I broke my box because He's worth it. I don't know what Jesus has for you. I cannot tell you, I cannot stand here today and tell you God's will for your life. What I can tell you is that God has something for you. It may not be going overseas. It may not be going to the other side of the United States. It may be right here in your church being the being the best church member that you can be. Holding up your pastor's arms when he's tired and wore out. Helping out the preacher's wife when she's just tired and Uh, Dealing with the children, and they ain't got, I don't know what it is. It may be doing a Sunday school class. Do the very best that you possibly can. I'm not God. I cannot tell you the will of God for your life. But I can tell you that God's not going to save you and not want you to do anything. Remember the story of the two disciples that Jesus sent to go get a donkey? It don't seem like much, but he went and got that donkey. Jesus needed that donkey. Uh, Jesus could have walked on those palms by himself. He could have, he could have had his disciples tote him if he wanted them to. But Jesus went and got a little old donkey. And I don't know what you all that donkey did was tote him down that road. Nobody saw the donkey. Nobody noticed nobody gave praise to the donkey. But they cried hosanna because of who was on the donkey. You may be sitting here this morning and you say, I I ain't got nothing to give God. I don't have anything to give Jesus. Maybe this morning just be that one that's like that donkey just lifting him up so that everybody else can see him and not you. That's a problem we all have today. We all want to be seen. That's That's why we put on nice stuff. We put on the smell good. We want to sit down and somebody say, Oh, you smell good. Or, man, I I like your outfit. I like your suit. We all want to look good. But it's not about looking good. It's about lifting him up. I don't know what you have in your life. I don't know what's in your life that needs to be broken so that you can give it to Jesus. I'm not saying go empty your bank account. I'm not saying go sell everything you got. What I'm saying is there's things in your life that you may be holding on to that is so precious, something that you've worked for. And maybe you're holding on to it so tight that you're losing focus of Jesus because you're worried about what you worked for. And if it is so precious to you, and He's not more precious than what you've got, then there's something wrong. He deserves our everything. I want to say this real quickly, and I'll be done. That was all my introduction. Three things. Three things as fast as possible. Verses 3 through 5. We see that she'd done what she could in the area of sacrifice. The question I want to ask about this is what are you sacrificing in your life for Jesus? She had done what she could. That's what we're preaching on this morning. What have you done? Have you done what you could? Have you given Jesus what He deserves out of your life? In the area of sacrifice, she breaks this box, she pours it on Him. It's an ointment, it's spottened, it's very precious. What have you done in the area of sacrifice? Real quickly, number 2 in verses 6 and verse 7, we find an area of service. There's a sacrifice made. Now there's a service being done. What are you doing in service for Jesus? The choir got up here and sang a while ago. There were still some sitting. I, I understand that not everybody can sing in the choir. It was the same way in our church. We had certain ones that wanted to sing, and certain ones sat. But those of you that are sitting there, and you're saying, look at all those up there serving. Look at all those up there singing for Jesus. You may be wondering, what can I do? Oh, there's plenty to do. I guarantee if if this church is anything like our church, the pastor and the pastor's wife can find a list of things that need to be done. There's some service that needs to be done. What are you doing in the area of service? Jesus has already done everything for you. He's already given you everything that you'd ever need. Hey, if we all go broke and we all live on the side of the road, uh, we can still be thankful uh, for what Jesus has already done for us. Jesus could never give me anything else in this life, uh, and I would still have so much uh, to be thankful for. What are you doing in the area of service, the area of sacrifice? What are you doing in the area of surrender? This lady here says, I don't care who's making fun of me. I I don't care who's talking bad about me. Lord, I give you everything. I give you what's precious to me. Lord, I surrender everything that I have. God, I give it all to you. What are you willing to do? God, God may be asking you for some things this morning. It's precious to you, God may be asking you this morning he i don't I'm not saying that he's doing this, please don't get me wrong. But God may say, why don't you up your your faith's promised mission? why don't you up at this time why don't you up it this year? why don't you give more than you've ever given before? God may be speaking to you and say hey why don't you Uh, Why don't you just surrender in some certain things in your life and say, I'm tired of living for myself. Uh, God, I'm going to live for you. I'll tell you this. I don't know, I don't know. I don't know your life. All I know is mine and the one that we live. God may want you to take on a missionary personally. We've done that. We do that every single month. We've got some that we support through our local church. We've got some that we support just on our own. And you say, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I can calculate that in my bills. I don't, I don't know how I can. Well, here's what we ought to do. The Bible tells us to give a tenth. We ought to give our tithe. And the next thing, in my opinion, I'm not, I'm not, you're the pastor. If I'm wrong, you you straighten them out. But I think you ought to give your mission second. Then you ought to go pay all your bills. And at the very end, you may look. You say, I don't have enough to make it. We, I, when I was working a job, we'd get paid every two weeks. There were times I'd look at my check. We'd give our tithes, we'd give our missions, we'd, we'd write that check to the church. I'd say, oh boy, how in the world are we going to do it this week? If I give my 10% and I give my little missions offering, it wasn't very much, but it was enough. It's all I could do. It's what I, it's what I was able to give. And God, I don't see how we're going to make it on what's left. I don't know. I, I'm telling you, God is so good at being God. We'd write that check. We'd throw it in. We'd walk away. We'd sit back down at our pew. At the end of service, I mean, I was still working a job. I wasn't in full-time ministry. Somebody would walk up to us with one of those handshakes, those, those green handshakes. They'd have a little, bu- little bit of money folded up in it, and they'd shake my wife's hand, and they'd shake my hand. They'd say, for some reason, we just felt like we needed to be a blessing to y'all this week. I'm telling you, God did that so many times. We was in a meeting one time, and we had just surrendered full time to go on the the road for deputation. Didn't have very much, didn't didn't have a a solid income anymore. We had 7% of what we needed to go to the field. Sitting down in the church service one day, they was taking up a special offer for missionary. This missionary needed ACs for his church, it's hot, needed pews, needed a pulpit. They were taking up several thousands of dollars for him. He had everybody in the church pray. And I had checked my bank account that morning. I knew what I had. I, you got to always check because there ain't no telling what's going to happen in the service. When we got in there and that pastor had us pray and I looked at my wife and I said, you pray and I'll pray and then we'll see what God wants us to give. I bowed my head and I said, Lord, you know what's in our account. Lord, how much do you want me to give? It was more than what was in our account. I lifted up my eyes and I said, oh boy, I'm going to have to make up a number. I'm going to have to look at her and make up a number. And I think we wrote it down as what we did. I can't remember exactly. We both were, I had to write the number that God told me. I was going to try to lie, but he'd know about it. Nobody else would, but he'd have known. And I wrote down that number. She wrote down her number, and we put them side by side, and it was the exact same number. I pulled out my checkbook, and I started writing it. I said, well, here's my last opportunity. Lord, you want to change that number? Lord, one more time, you know what's in the account. I'm fixing to write that number, Lord. you want to change it real quick? One last opportunity, Lord. I'm giving you another opportunity to change the number. I said all right here we go and i have an overdraft fee i wrote that number down I put that check in there I walked away and the whole entire service i mean everything went great in that service everything was wonderful the whole entire service i'm sitting on the pew lord i wonder if they'll let me put that check back <laughs> write the word void some people do that they write that word void on there the whole service, I said, Lord, they ain't cashed it yet. I'm just being honest. I'm being honest. That's what we ought to do in the church house is be honest. They got that offering, they took it back there and they, everybody opened everything up, started looking at it, counted up, and just exactly what that missionary needed to buy everything. I sat there and I said, Lord, I'm sorry for having that attitude. Lord, I may go broke, but to see somebody else get a blessing, Lord, it's worth it. Lord, I may have an overdraft fee come Monday morning, but it's worth it to see that every dime that that missionary needed, everything he needed, every dime, he's going to have every pew that he needs, he's going to have a pulpit, going to have a communion table, going to have AC. Thank God for AC. He's going to have one right in the middle of a desert. He gets him an AC. Hey, God, I'm thankful that you put that on my heart to give to him. Hey, I had to surrender some things, but it was worth it. got to thinking we we had that meeting that morning that was a morning service that night we had four pastors take us on for support every church that took us on for support said we're going to go ahead and give you a check right now and it was double what we gave in the offering that morning you know what I did Monday morning got up first thing went to the bank cashed <laughs> those so I wouldn't have an overdraft fee uh, I'm just being honest again I'm being honest again I don't want no overdraft fee you don't either And I say this, if God tells you to do something, it's worth doing it. If God tells you to give, it's worth giving. There ain't no telling. It may not be today. It may not be tonight. It may not be tomorrow, next week, next year, but you give something to God that God's asked you for. And there's no telling what God will do in your life.